You're listening to the City Lights Podcast. City Lights is a church located in Greenville, South Carolina, devoted to building family, blessing neighbors, and bringing good news to the nations. Thanks for joining us. As Oliver said, my name's Taylor. Um, Welcome to City Lights. Um, Truly, you're welcome here. If if this is your first time or hundredth time or whatever, we're just grateful you're here this morning. And um, Taylor, this is my wife, Kenzie. Actually, I have a Great, adorable picture of my, my little crew there doing the, doing the uh, stereotypical, like, dad move there. But um, those are my girls, and I love them to death. Um, my wife, Mackenzie, is here, and she's uh, got the little baby, Tova, strapped to her asleep right now. Um, our other little girl there on the right, uh, your, your right, Sayla, is uh, two years old, and she's, uh, she's just adorable. She's the best, and... She's actually homesick right now, um, so I'd love for you guys. Actually, right now, if, if you can, we just take like 30 seconds and just pray her up, just out loud in the spirit, whatever you're gonna do, but just pray for her as if she's on your kid. Can can we do that? Yeah. So yeah, let's just pray, Lord. Uh, please heal Sayla of her sickness, Lord. Restore her body to full health, Lord. We trust you with her body. We trust you with her healing, Lord. You can do it. Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Um, yeah, so we're finishing up Matthew 6 here today. Um, I, don't, I don't believe I put that on the, on the notes there. But that, that's all right. You don't have to turn there. Um, I'll just read it real quick. But uh, this is the prayer from Matthew 6 that um, we've been talking about for a few weeks now. Jesus modeled this prayer uh, for his disciples and, and for us today. This is uh, a way we could pray. So, uh, 9 through 13, verses 9 through 13. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So that's where, uh, that's where we're at today there, verse 13, um, talking about temptation and uh, I don't mean the, uh, the great band, the great beach music band, uh, the Temptations. No, we're talking about um, temptation uh, to sin and temptation, uh, just to define that a little bit, uh, what is temptation? Quick and easy, simple definition here. Um, I found this online. I really liked it. Uh, temptation is an invitation to sin, to keep it super simple, uh, or an experience to choose between fidelity or infidelity to God and um, the fidelity and stuff, are, that, that word's often used in association with like marriages and faithfulness to a spouse. Um, but basically all that means is like temptation is an experience that happens to everyone, even Jesus himself, um, that gives us the opportunity to either be faithful, choose faithfulness to the Lord, or to choose um, unfaithfulness to the Lord. Um, I'll just add a slide here of uh, temp- what temptation is not, just to kind of clear the air here. Um, a lot of times, so, so the point's here, temptation is not your friend. Um, it's not any, any sort of thing that's for your good, and, and it's not um, out to build you up or make your life better, even though sometimes <laughs> these things might seem like the fun thing to do or whatever. Um, it's, it's really out to destroy you. Um, it's not cute, and it's not harmless. So, uh, you know, it's, it's harmless enough, right? Or the thought would be it's harmless enough to tell one little lie, you know? And um, it seems pretty harmless, in the moment, but what that does is breeds a seed in your heart of, of um, greater sin and, and leaning in and pressing into that more, especially, you know, if you've all, it, has anyone lied to you? I don't know, maybe just me. Uh, but especially when you tell a lie and you get away with it, you know, you're like, ooh, um, I did it, you know, I can, I can do that. But the deal is, it's always going to lead, open a door to, to greater lies and greater deception and, and that sort of thing. And any sin works that way, not just lie. Um, Timothy joked around with me uh, a few weeks ago when, when we were, he was preparing for his um, teaching on our father. And um, we were just talking about stuff, and I, he knew I had temptation here. He's like, man, you, you got off easy, dude. It's like so relatable, you know. Everyone, everyone uh, experiences temptation, and he's not wrong. It's, uh, it's this message for all of us today, so... Um, even Jesus was tempted, I uh, mentioned earlier, 
Um, if you want to throw, Ross, uh, throw Matthew 4 there on the screen, I'm just going to read this um, quickly here. But this is the scene where Jesus is led by the Spirit into the desert, um, and he experiences temptation here. So I'm just going to speed read and then uh, and talk about it here. Let's see. Here we go, Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall, not worship, or, sorry, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Uh, there's a couple things about this story that um, stick out to me. One is that, um, you know, Jesus was fasting for this whole 40 days. So if you're like me, when you're hungry, uh, man, boy, does, does your demeanor change and you get real nasty, right? Um, and he was tired. And so, like, when I'm weak in my flesh, that's when temptation Seem, feels the strongest. That's when it seems to be more powerful over me. Is like, at least in my past, my history with, I'll get into later, I'm going to share a testimony, but history with um, a, a specific sin, just kind of like the weak point for me was always at my lowest in my flesh when I was weak, tired, um, hungry. You know, it seems silly, but it's like, man, um, that's just kind of how it works. So the deal is that Jesus was hungry, right? So like in his, as Jesus being fully God and fully man, as a man, he was weak in his flesh uh, in that moment, fasting from food. Um, he, was, he was showing us, I believe, in, going through this experience that it's possible to be tempted by sin even at your weakest. It's possible to be tempted by sin and be empowered by the Spirit to not sin. And uh, that's kind of the word for the morning, actually, is, is um, if you want to throw it, there you go. As a follower of Jesus, you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be tempted and not sin. Um, amen? We agree? <laughs> that's, that's just like empowered by the Spirit to be tempted and not sin. That's uplifting. I mean, that's, um, we, see, we see Jesus go through temptation, and he was led by the Spirit, and it's like to be hungry for 40 days, I don't know that. I would guess none of us in here, I, mean, I could be wrong, but I would assume none of us in here fasted 40 days. That's pretty insane. Um, if you are, man, just, you should be up here teaching. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's just, for Jesus to do that and come out of the desert 40, after 40 days having not sinned is, is pretty incredible. But the word for this morning is that the same spirit that led Jesus to the desert that empowered him to be tempted all those times and uh, to not sin, to leave the desert completely pure and completely holy. That same spirit that empowered him as a follower of Jesus today, if that's you, that's the same spirit in you and the same power in you. And this isn't, um, guys, I, I got to be honest, I've struggled with this um, teaching because, I, you know, some of this is like, is this really possible? Is it really possible to go throughout my days and not be angry and not, um, and not lie and not feel uh, jealous for, you know, covet things and whatever. Is it really possible? And I just got to say, like, this is our hope for this morning, that everything I've read in the Scripture, every single thing points to this is the truth of God. The Spirit of God is our power. It's our source of power, and it's in us. And... Um, so, uh, and just another quick note here I had is, you know, Jesus uh, would, would, we've seen a few times in, in the scripture where he would heal someone or he would, he would be ministering to people, a group of people or an individual, 
And he would tell them, you know, he would heal them and, 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 and uh, do everything he would do, but he would leave, leave them with go and sin no more. And why would he say that if he didn't mean it, you know? If it wasn't possible, why would Jesus say that? Why would those words come out of his mouth? And uh, I think it's because it's possible to, to go and sin no more. And um, Oliver last week, uh, I really appreciated uh, his teaching from Matthew 18, forgiveness. There was this bit where uh, <laughs> Peter uh, was talking to Jesus, and he's like, how many times should I forgive my brother, you know? And you kind of wonder, like, was Peter just really, like, ticked off by his brother or something? Like, what's going on? Um, but he's like, dude, how many times do I got to forgive? And he's like, seven times? And Jesus is like, 77 times. And Peter's like, whoa. And um, the deal is that sometimes um, we, what we'll do is we'll read a scripture, or even like teachers that you've been under, you know, from former churches or whatever. Like, I'm sure some of us have experienced this anyway is we will interpret Scripture based on however we want to interpret Scripture, right? And so we'll read a passage like that and be like, Jesus said 77 times, so clearly there is a limit because he didn't say unlimited times. He said 77, so on the 78th time, he ticks me off. It's on! And uh, so then we start keeping record of wrongs. And these, like, man-made doctrines will really creep up on us to become a false, a false sense of truth to where we'll start living opposite of God's will and opposite of his kingdom uh, in the belief that we're, we're doing what we're supposed to do, and it turns into legalism and all this stuff, right? Um, and so what I wanted to hopefully maybe rewire or rework for some of us today is this man-made doctrine like that that says sin, uh, you know, we're in a fallen world, and it's just sin when you can get saved, and basically salvation is your ticket to heaven. You're, you're, you're not going to hell when you die, congratulations, but you still got to get through the rest of life, and you're going to sin and just cope with it, and then one day when we die, we'll be perfected, and we'll be, then we'll sin no more, right? And that sounds so close to the truth um, that it's easy to believe, like, this is the truth. The problem with that is if we continue to sin until we die, then we've made death more powerful than Jesus. We've made death our savior. Death is our salvation from sin, not Jesus. And so that's a really dangerous kind of mentality to have um, and doctrine to hold in our heart. And I just wanted to, to put that out there today because I think I grew up in a church maybe where... Um, or churches maybe where that, that, that was kind of the, maybe it wasn't taught explicitly from the pulpit, um, that like, you're just going to sin until you die. But that was kind of the way it was talked about in conversations and that sort of thing. It was just this idea that, you know, you just cope with it and you just deal with it and try your best and strive and work and work and work. Um, but ultimately, you know, sin's got you till your, till your light's out. And um, so I just wanted to correct that and, and just point us to the truth of, um, of Scripture here this morning. Um, uh, Jesus did not come to give us life and uh, to settle for less, to settle for, uh, you know, being okay with sinning until we die. He came to give us life and life abundantly. And he came to give us power through his spirit to, to walk through our days and walk as Christ on the earth. Um, Oliver gave me a little preview uh, this week of uh, the next series, is it okay to point this out, uh, next series being Acts, um, working through the, the book of Acts, really excited, but um, he said something great that uh, basically I, the idea is that, you know, Jesus lived 33 years here on earth, and that, that wasn't the extent of his ministry, but like every Christian on earth today, for all days, is meant to be like an extension of Christ in the earth, um, meaning intimacy with God, meaning um, empowerment through the Spirit, meaning everything we saw Jesus do in his ministry, he left us with saying, I'm sending you someone, and you'll do greater things. And um, so let that encourage you this morning. Like, don't be okay with this false doctrine that says we're going to keep sinning until we die and to just cope with it. So many of us, I for 15 years, um, was crushed 
by the weight of this false doctrine that like I'm a slave to sexual sin and I'm a slave to the struggle I have with pornography, with um, lust in my heart. I tried all this stuff, um, accountability and blockers on devices and all this stuff and it's like none of it was working for me. Um, I would find ways around it and accountability basically just turned out to be glorified, let's just confess to each other that we did this and give each other a pat on the back and say, hey, it's okay. Um, and it just, none of it really worked for me. But I, the, the good news this morning is like, that's not you. As a follower of Jesus, the Spirit of God is in you. And you're empowered by the same Spirit that led Jesus to the desert to be tempted in his weakest with, with turning stones to bread. Just eat, Jesus. I know you're hungry. Just eat. And, he, and the Spirit empowered him to not be tempted by the devil. Um, the, the main scripture for the morning I wanted to, to, to teach on was from Romans 4. Um, this is, at first look, that you might be like, why is this, what does this have to do with temptation? You know, but um, we'll get there. Just stay with me. But here, I'm going to read Romans 4, 18 through 21 um, first, and then we'll, we'll get into it. But um, here we go. So this is, uh, by the way, I'm not sure if his name is in here anywhere, but this is about Abraham, uh, his faith. So when it says he believed, it's Abraham. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. So this was Abraham, right? We, you remember the story. God's, Abraham's 100 years old. His body's as good as dead. Sarah's barren. His wife is barren. Um, yet God comes to him and says, I'm going to uh, give you kids. I'm going to make you the father of many nations, and your descendants will be like the stars in the sky. Is that right? Stars in the sky. Like just... All the, all the niños. And um, so many kids. But Abraham, what's, what's, why I'm teaching this today, what this has to do with temptation is for three things. Can, can we put um, that slide up, the, the promise there? So there's three, there's three aspects about this part in Romans 4 that I think could really be a great illustration for us to see what it is to be tempted by sin and, um, and to overcome through, through the uh, power of the Spirit. So... First thing is the promise. Um, and by the way, these are kind of comparisons to us today, too. So these three points here. Um, the promise, right? So Abraham's promise, he received a promise from God. I'll make you the father of many nations. You got that? That was Abraham's promise. Our promise today, do you, do you understand that all of us as Christians today, we also have a promise from the Lord. And it's in, I think it's Colossians, uh, uh, Colossians 1 something. Sorry, I didn't write it down. Uh, the promise for, for us as a believer today is when you receive Christ, uh, or when you get saved, you are receiving Christ. He, it calls, uh, Paul called it the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So that's our promise for today. Every believer, you know, we, uh, so many of these like little kiddie things, you know, in children's church or whatever, like ABCs and um, invite Jesus into your heart. I always, did anyone else ever be like, where's Jesus? Like, how's he get in my heart, you know? So, so many of these of these things are like so true, you know. Um, so Colossians would call that Christ in you, the hope of glory. So that's our promise is um, just like Abraham had his promise, father of many nations. Our promise is Christ in us, the hope of glory, hope of glory. And that means we're empowered to live like Christ in the earth. Um, as another kind of like little illustration here to maybe clear that up, like Christ in us, what is, what is that, you know? Um, I want to kind of make it like a parallel to Mary, where, you know, Mary was uh, a virgin. You know, our, our whole faith kind of hangs on this, on, this, uh, on this story here, you know. Virgin Mary, uh, Jesus, you know, Savior of the world, Messiah, uh, prophesied Messiah, conceived in her through the Holy Spirit. And I just want to tell you, maybe, maybe this is a, an interesting way to think about it, but... Uh, when you, received, when you became a Christian, if that's you today, 
you know, Scripture tells us our promise is Christ in you. Well, how does Christ get in you? God gives the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit then conceives Christ in you. The Bible says Christ is being formed in us, just like, it was, just like he was physically formed in Mary. There's a parallel there to where, how does Jesus get in my heart? How, how, am I, how is he being formed in me? Well, it's through the Spirit of God, just like, Spirit, uh, just like the Spirit uh, conceived Christ in Mary. And so, uh, although we don't physically have Jesus in us, it kind of, it's just a parallel, that's all it is, is to show us, like, this is the work of the Spirit working in us um, to make us, forming us into Christ. Um, so, that's the first thing, the promise. All right, second point here, uh, considered his own body. Um, we will do this kind of same thing, right? So, Abraham receives this promise, you'll be the father of many nations, and what he does, the, the next verse says, he considers his own body, and then it, a little side note in parentheses, it says, which was as good as dead. It's like, geez, man, that's, <laughs> that's pretty, that's really harsh, you know? Whoever, who wrote this book? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, it's really harsh, but, uh, so he considers his own body and sees, like, man, I'm, I'm old, I'm whatever, like, how am I supposed to have the kids? And he also looks at Sarah, Sarah and he's like, her, she's barren, you know? You have to believe they were trying, you know, getting the practice in. And, um, and, and with, no, with no success there. But God's promise stands. And so we'll do the same thing where we'll consider our body. And what I mean by that is our promise that Christ is in us and we are righteous. That's, a, that's the promise for you today. God calls you righteous. As a believer, you are righteous. All right? But what we'll do is we'll consider our body and say, well, I don't feel righteous. I don't look righteous. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of rewind the past week and see how we were angry or whatever. And, and whatever it is, whatever, whatever would make you feel ashamed or, or whatever, we'll do that same thing. But Abraham's response, the third point here, after considering his own body and seeing all the variables that were stacked up against him for, being, for seeing this promise through, uh, it says he was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. So this guy's looking at his 100-year-old body in his wife's barren womb after trying for who knows how long to have kids with no success. God gives him a word. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And my line, the Messiah, I don't, know, I, I don't know if he told him this or not, but we know this now. It's like, the Messiah is coming through your line, dude. Like, this is going to be a strong line that will, all, that will last forever. And he gets this huge promise, and in spite of considering his own body, and seeing all the variables, he's fully convinced that God will see that promise through. And so the, the, the thing to learn from this is that our response to our promise of Christ in us and being righteous, should, we should have the same response of being fully convinced. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to waver in my faith just because I, I um, screwed up yesterday and I, uh, and I, I did something I knew was sin. I'm not going to let that make uh, make me unrighteous. That was just an act. But my, my spirit has been made righteous by God. And so too, too often we will consider our own body and we'll waver in our faith that Christ is really in us. Right? Man, for, for, so, for so long when I was struggling um, with, with a specific sin, I'll get into here in a minute, but I had that thought uh, very often. I don't I don't know how often, but it was just, I remember thinking, like, am I really even saved? Like, man, you know, like, I love the Lord. Um, I know he loves me, but I can't kick this thing. And if he's really powerful, I mean, there were times when I just had to, like, confess, like, Lord, this thing feels more powerful than you. And that's, that's really honest, and that's good. It's good to be honest. It was all part of the process of, of righteousness. But that was me wavering in my faith and having doubts and not, not being rooted in his word and his promise for me that Christ was in me and he was forming me to be like him. And so, um, uh, let's see. Oh, a couple, couple more points here on these three things. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, I always love to, I heard this once and I always love to um, point this out, that 
the scripture that talks about Jesus, uh, what, what happened on the cross in the spirit, you know, what happened was he became sin and he was killed. So sin was, sin was killed, um, but he became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. And I always like to say, I heard this, I thought it's so great. It doesn't say we act righteous. It says we are righteous. We became righteous. All right? So all stri- just put off any striving, you know. Uh, I carried that for a long time and interpreted that, again, my own doctrine. I interpreted that as, uh, you know, when I saw, like, the Christ became sin so I could become righteous. I interpreted that as, like, I have to work to get that righteousness. Um, and that's just not what the Bible says at all. Um, it says you are righteous. You became righteous because of Christ's work, not because of yours. The other, um, the other uh, thing about fully convinced here, too, is because when we, when we sin, if we, if we are tempted and we succumb to that temptation, we sin. It's not game over. It's not like, oh, this destroyed my day. Um, I think I can do that. Uh, <laughs> Kenzie knows I can do that. If I get, like, angry or something, you know, it's like, ah, oh, it just ruined my day. I'm like, I, I screwed up. And it's just like, whatever, it's game over. But I just want to say to myself and to all of us, like, that's not game over. It's not, the, the Bible says the righteous will fall seven times, but they'll get back up. And that's, that's the difference between Christians and those who don't have Christ as their hope, is we, all, we will all experience temptation. And when we do, that's what sets us apart as followers of Jesus, is being empowered by the Spirit to get back up and to shake it off. And to tell ourselves, remind ourselves, I'm righteous. I'm not going to let like the anger or whatever it was, I'm not going to let that action define who I am. And this isn't, I struggle with this too. Like, is this just like, is all this just like mantras and like speaking into existence to say I'm righteous? Like, it doesn't feel like I'm righteous. It, so, so what is this? Am I just like kidding myself? And it's like, the truth I want to tell you is it is a spiritual discipline and a spiritual practice and a very good thing to experience sinful behavior, acting, uh, acting out sin. It is a spiritual discipline at that point to remind yourself that you're righteous. It's not just like a mantra and some kind of weird new agey thing to be like, oh, well, I'm going to say this over my life and it'll become true or whatever. It's like, no, it was true in the act. It was even true then. In the act of you sinning. You are righteous. And this is what so many of us fail to believe, myself included, is when I come against temptation, I interpret it, at, I interpret that moment as, uh, well, if I, if I succumb to that temptation and I do whatever, I act sinfully, I will interpret that moment as uh, weakness in my spirit. And I'll start to question, am I, you know, everything I talked about earlier, am I, am I really, you know, am I really righteous and whatever? And the truth is, it is not weakness of your spirit. It's weakness in your flesh. Your spirit is, as a follower of Jesus, is righteous, will always be righteous. In the act of sin, it is righteous. It's your flesh that is weak. And so, anyway, just wanted to clear that up. Um, Quick mention here, I don't think I had this on the slides, but I uh, just felt like this was worth mentioning. Uh, why does the power, why does, why does sin feel so powerful even as a believer, right? Because this is something I've asked um, and wondered is like, can it just be like when you get saved, like it's just... It's like you're never even tempted anymore. It's just like, oh, I'm like Christ, and so like everything's Gucci now. And it's just not, it's not that way. It's like we're still going to experience temptation. If Jesus did, we certainly will, you know? And so, but why, does it, why is it that way? Why does it feel like I'm a Christian, I'm a, I'm a, I was a Christian for 15 years and struggled with the sin day after day after day after day. Why is it this way? And um, the Bible says... Um, in 1 Corinthians 15, 56, it says, The sting of death is sin, but the power of sin is in the law. And so, uh, this is kind of a whole other sermon, so I'm not going to get into it, um, talking about law and old, old covenant and new covenant and stuff. But I just wanted to, I wanted to uh, point that out, that like, 
if you're in that place where you're like, there's a habitual sin or something that you just feel like you can't kick, that's what the Bible says is the power of sin is not in your old man. It's not in the flesh. It's in the law. It's in how you relate to God. If you're struggling with sin and you keep succumbing to this habitual sin over and over and over and over and over, I'm not saying this is it. I'm just saying maybe ask yourself, how are you relating to God? Because I found that as I was struggling with sexual sin and I kept succumbing to that temptation, I really felt separation from God on my end, not on his. Um, And the way I related to God was in this system of do's and don'ts where I do good, I receive love. I do bad, I receive punishment. And that is just not the gospel. That's not the new covenant we're in, the covenant of grace. So the power of sin is in the law. Uh, Romans 6, 14 says, Sin has no dominion over you, for you're not under law, but you're under grace. That's our new covenant. So when we come against sin, and, and we, we, um, we can stand against it all we want, and we can brace, and we can fight and be armored up, and all those are good things to do. Um, but ultimately, it's not in what we do or don't do, and in our work, and in our striving. It's, we're under the covenant of grace, where we relate to God in, a, in an attitude, our posture is thank you. Our posture is thanks, Lord, because I, I couldn't do this for 15 years. I couldn't defeat my sin and when I was relating to you in do's and don'ts and in the law, but now I understand grace. And thank you, Lord, that you paid the price on the cross to free me from this power of sin. Um, I'm going to share a, a little testimony here of um, what I keep referring to. Um, uh, it's a little PG-13. We, we talked about that. Um, that, was the, that was the phrase to use there. It's a little PG-13 because it does have to do with sexual sin. I'm not going to be specific or, or whatnot and, and um, be graphic. I'm, I'm going to respect the, the room here, but um, they just want to put that out there if they're little kids or whatever. Do, do what you got to do. But um, Basically, uh, I just wanted to share as a, as a means to show you kind of like we're going to transition now from talking about temptation to deliverance here. And I wanted to share a personal story of how the Lord delivered me from uh, daily uh, sexual sin for about 15 years. Um, I, was, uh, I was, I think, 11 or 12 as my parents divorced uh, right around that time. And I, I don't, you know... C.S. Lewis says, either everything is spiritual or nothing is. And I, I just, I, I'm not going to call it a coincidence that, um, that uh, some of these certain things happen all, all at the same point in life. But anyway, uh, I think as a, as a young boy, I was in middle school, parents were divorcing. I didn't fully understand. So seeing relationships, love relationships in my life coming apart without fully understanding this is not, by the way, none of this is to my parents' shame. Um, my parents are wonderful parents. I love them so much. They love the Lord and are, are, are restored and being restored um, after, the, after their fallout. But, um, but anyway, nonetheless, this was happening. At the same time, buddies in uh, middle school started to show me and talk about these things they were seeing online and showing me... Um, pictures and, and whatever, and what I was seeing for the first time was pornography, um, and I just remember thinking, what in the world is this, you know, like, maybe I'd heard little remnants of, of like, what it was and all, but um, just, man, it, it, took a, it took hold of my life, um, and so that kind of started this thing where, now on the other end of it, looking back, I would, I would call, and I've talked about all this with <laughs> Kenzie and I, talked about all this with counselors and, and uh, mentors and, and spiritual leaders and also like I, I feel completely confident to call this what I experienced was um, a sexual addiction. Um, I say that because it was pretty much a daily thing, a, a daily um, action that was happening me, me uh, looking at pornography and all the acts that come with that if you, if you can if you, if you can uh, imagine. And um, you know, premar- premarital sex with, with girlfriends and these sorts of things. Um, and it just led to this whole, this whole, um, I, was, 
I was powerless. I was, um, I was hopeless. Because I, I, like I mentioned earlier, I had tried accountability and blockers and whatnot. And uh, so it just, none of it, none of it was, uh, it just always felt so powerful over me. And um, so uh, also at the same time, I was going to youth group, going to church, hanging out with Christian friends, um, started leading worship. Um, you know, doing, doing the church thing. But this was in the background of my life, and it was a hidden thing for 15 years. It was hidden, meaning I had a couple buddies that I was doing accountability with, um, and outside of that, I, I, ha- I kept it from my mom. It wasn't until I was, like, in college or something before I, like, finally called my mom. I was like, hey, this is going on. I had to, like, humble myself and have that awkward thing, you know, boy telling his mom, whatever. And I was like, hey, can you, like take my internet plan off or whatever, you know. So, um, hidden sin, okay? And so, I want to fast forward a little bit. Just struggle, struggle, struggle for 15 years. I meet and marry Kinsey in a short amount of time. Meeting Mary's not too far off from actually how it played out, right? Because it was... <laughs> we, we met, we're engaged and married all within six months. Um, and then pregnant with our first baby, like three months into marriage. Um, so, yeah, just expedited all that, and I, I really, <laughs> I really, uh, <laughs> I credit, I credit that to the Lord, I really do, I mean, I, uh, so, so much of my healing came through, uh, marriage, and, um, having our daughter, Selah, um, and so, side point there, the Lord will use things you never thought he would use to, for your healing and for your restoration. But um, So I, was, I would say at this point when I met Kinsey, I was, um, I was still struggling. Um, and it was still mostly hidden. But I, was, I had gone through this great weekend called the Father Heart where Rich Hot, this guy from, uh, from YWAM, South Africa, had come... Um, you know, they're kind of back, back and forth, but he was here in the States with his family at the time, and we just had a great weekend of, of really allowing the Lord to minister to us. It was a, a small group of people, but that kind of started like this. That was like the catalyst that started this, like, journey of being restored and being delivered of this sexual, sexual sin, and so I had gone through all that. Then I meet Kenzie, so I'm still kind of, like, struggling with it, and I just want to say, when we got married... Um, this is what I want to show you because I, back to the first point about temptation is not harmless. I want to tell you when I when I first click when I made the first click in middle school and chose to look at something, it seemed harmless enough. It really did. I thought no one else knows I'm doing this. It's just only I know I'm doing this. So what's the point? I'm not grossing anyone out. I'm not cheating on anyone. I was in middle school. I didn't have a relationship. I'm not. I I thought it was it was harmless enough. And I want, I just want to show you 15 years later. I'm married to my, to my wife, and I want to show you how it all played out. Uh, I want to be careful how I, how I talk about this as to not, um, uh, I just want to be careful, but um, some, of the, some of the ways that what I was seeing would play out was like, <laughs> I'm just going to go for it, okay. Person one, person two are in um, are in a marriage. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. So I was seeing basically a lot of cheating in these things I was watching. That's a lot of the culture, pornography culture. A lot of it is uh, behind the back kind of stuff. You under, do you all understand what I'm saying? Okay. So a lot of it is that. So what that did again back to planting a seed. Thank you. What that did was, at, at 12 years old or whatever, that click, started planting this seed in me of fear that one day my wife would be this woman I'm seeing on the screen, and she would be unfaithful and run, going behind my back in the next room over doing this action. Like wild, unjustified, crazy things like, are the thoughts I was having. And I want to I tell you in complete honesty, our first three, four months of marriage were hell. Absolute hell. 
And I'm not talking about like, oh, marriage is hard. It's an adjustment. I'm talking about because of what I gave myself to for 15 years. It was destroying my life. It was destroying me. Because I couldn't, I was so accusatory. I would accuse Kinsey, who, who has never, she did not, sexual sin was not even on her radar. She was pure until we were married. She was, she's always been faithful in relationships, like has no history of any, of any kind. It was, it was my fear that would, um, I, w- I would accuse her. I mean, silly things, like she would wear a pair of shorts, and I'd be like, you're, really, you're going to wear shorts out today? And I mean, I would slam her for it. And um, it was vile and it was torture. I mean, it was, that was, so I just want to show you, like, this is what the harmless temptation, this is the seed it plants 15 years down the road, is my marriage, my new marriage feels like it's already on breaking apart. And um, fast forward to, I don't know, I, maybe the greatest day of my life, I don't know. Fast forward to one random day where Kenzie's invited to a wedding in Georgia. We're living here in Greenville. She's invited to go to a wedding of a friend of hers from Georgia. So we go, this is before we had kids, um, but we're all dressed up and whatnot. Go to, the, go to the wedding, have a great time, reception. We're on the way back, and I need gas um, in our car. So we pull off to this gas station. It was dark. I don't know what time it was. It was night. But we pull over to this gas station. We're the only ones there. And I don't remember what triggered this or what caused it or whatever, but I just, I started feeling angry towards Kinsey, like all this fear, the same fear I just described. And I just, I broke down, guys. I started weeping and just being like, and I felt hopeless. I felt so, uh, I felt so tired of, of dealing with this. I hated that I was nasty to Kinsey. I hated it. And, I, and it's like when I was striving, it wasn't getting anywhere. And so I want to tell you, Kinsey, um, for that whole, those whole three or four months, like there were times when, and I want you guys to know, again, complete honesty, like this, all of this was happening while, while I was here. We were part of this church. I might have been leading worship. I might have been whatever. And um, there were times where Kinsey would be like, well, let's just pray, you know. And I, there were times where I would either say, I'm not praying. I'm done. I'm not going to pray. I'm over it because I've prayed for 15 years, and I pray, 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 and it never, nothing's happening, so I'm done. And she would intercede for me, thank God. It was either that or I would pray, and my prayers were so like a rated R film. Like it was the most honest and disgusting prayers, you know, and just dropping all kinds of stuff on the Lord. And... Um, uh, and so we're at this gas station. Kenzie's like, let's just pray. I didn't want to, so she prays for me. At the end of her prayer, I just felt compelled. Um, and I, this was the Spirit of God, but I just felt compelled to pray. And I'm praying, and I'm just laying it all. I'm laying myself bare before the Lord, sobbing like an idiot, um, snotting all over myself on my wedding clothes. Um, just real disgusting. But like a good like 10 minutes of just laying myself bare before the Lord, confessing my sin and saying, I need your help. Um, I don't understand why this has power over me, but I need you to break this stronghold. And I need you to break this because it's affecting my wife. Like I was just telling them everything, right? Then this crazy thing happens where I finish the prayer and I still remember it uh, word for word like it just happened yesterday. Finish praying, wiping snot. Oh my gosh. Kenzie says, How do you feel? I said, I feel sick. <laughs> I feel sick to my stomach. Then my nose starts pouring blood. And I'm like, what, the, what is happening right now? You know, what is going on? Like, I'm bleeding. I feel sick. Like, what in the world? And so, but I felt, and, I, and my, I'm not. I told Oliver, like, I, did, I was like, should I, like, filter whatever? And he's like, no, you need to, you need to whatever. Um, like, no filter, but just share honestly, because I can't sit here and be like this. I can't put language to everything that happened. But what I can tell you is, in the spirit, 
I felt, I felt like I was no longer. I felt like I was free. I can't tell you. Why? Or there's not an equation to this, guys. It's just um, the Lord poured out grace on my life. Um, I physically felt different. I physically, like when I told her, I feel sick. I wasn't lying. Like I felt nauseous. I felt sick. Nose starts bleeding. I feel 50 pounds lighter. That's an expression. I'm telling you, literally. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, it was awesome. It was awesome, guys. I felt completely changed. And I want to say, I would love to sit here and tell you, like, this is how you can do it. Because <laughs> I just want to say, like, after that point, guys, I'm not sitting here saying, like, I haven't temp- been tempted with that and I haven't struggled. Um, I'm not even saying I haven't succumbed to, succumbed to sexual temptation. Like, there have been a few times where I've had to confess to Kinsey, like, not with pornography, but with, with more, like, uh, naive, weird, you know, weird kind of ways it got a little more complex. But um, I'd love to tell you that I was changed and, like, sin was, you know, behind me and whatever. It's just not true. But what was true is when I confessed my sin to the Lord, and, I, and also not just my sin because I'd done that, but when I confessed that I'm striving, Lord. I'm trying everything I can do to do this, and I can't. It's not working. And I need you to do whatever it is you do. (laughs) I don't understand it. But I need you to do whatever you have to, Lord, to restore our marriage, to restore me and where I'd broken myself up for 15 years. And he did. And and it took 15 years of, of a journey, right? And so um what I believe happened, um, just as a side note, in that moment is that with the bloody nose and all, I struggled. I'm like, what the, what the crap was that? You know, like, <laughs> that, I, don't, I don't know that I heard a Bible story about bloody nose or whatever, but what I believe is um, I thought about the blood of Jesus. Um, it's all in the scripture about how his blood draws us near and his blood has cleansed us, and it's his blood alone that was the sacrifice for our sin. And we're not saved by the blood of goats and bulls, we're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so I thought about his blood and like just everything that was happening, I was just grateful. I felt like I'd been cleansed, like baptized in his blood. But I also, I shared this story, um, sorry, at Thanksgiving with our small group last year, um, I shared, shared that testimony, and both Kyra, who has some medical background, and Catherine, um, hey, um, bo- both Catherine Cooker and Kyra both kind of have some, some um, experience in medical background, so they both kind of told me, like, you know what's wild about that is, like, when your brain is actually, like, there's these pathological, like, uh, yeah, neuropathologies, thank you. That's exactly what I was going to say, because I know all about that. Um, (laughs) but when when they're formed when so for that 15 years I was like teaching my brain to be afraid of relationships and whatever and and they were formed and when when the science is when your brain is rewired and and a pathway is broken and reformed or whatever they explained to me that oftentimes the way it can manifest is through nosebleeds is that right am I is that right it's okay if it's not. I, I thought that's what I understood. Oh, new blood vessels. Okay. Brain surgery through the nose. That was it. I do remember that now. Okay. Well, thank you. I'd rather... This isn't about a cool story. This is about the truth. So, um, <laughs> I was about to drop some cool thing of like, oh, the nosebleed. It was, it was evidence. And you know what? Here, here's the deal is, honestly, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. I don't have to have like... 
evidence to, tell, to stand here today in full confidence and tell you the Lord delivered me through confession, through, um, through my weakness and leaning on him. And so, sorry, I think I'm probably long. Uh, it's okay. I'll, I'll wrap up here. Um, Psalm 32. Uh, Psalm 32 is David uh, writing the psalm, and I want to kind of show you the shift in his writing here in the first seven verses. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledge my sin, and here's the shift, okay? So he's, David's saying, hey, when I, when I was hiding my sin and when it was hidden in my heart, it was, it was destroying me. He, listen to this language, bones rotting away and wasting away in the sun and whatnot. Like, that's the reality. Is hidden sin in your life is that seed that could destroy you in 15 years, and it's destroying you now. Hidden sin, right? Here's the shift, verse 5. I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. That's David. Here's the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin immediately. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. And so um, uh, the, the next point there, Ross, um, thank you. The, the point here, the last point for um, kind of a, a more practical point, hidden sin will keep you in shame, as David said, as I just shared with you. But confession brings forgiveness and deliverance. I love verse 7 of that psalm, the last phrase there, you surround me with shouts of deliverance. There's no greater feeling, guys. I'm telling you, like, the reason I'm still uh, up in my feelings about this uh, however many years, two, two, three years after this thing happened, is because I still feel it. And I'm not, I'm not governed by, by my feelings. I'm governed by truth. But feelings help emphasize what happened in that moment. And I'm telling you, there's no greater feeling. There's no greater feeling than to know I'm surrounded by shouts of deliverance. <laughs> after 15 years of feeling like surrounded by like this huge hairy monster guy that was just like holding me down, in the sin I couldn't get out of his arms, to know I'm surrounded by deliverance. And all I did was confess. There's no greater feeling. And so um, here we go. Um, uh, let me uh, get uh, past a few things here. Um, confess, to the Lord, confess to the Lord and each other. Okay, so that's, that's part of our um, responsibility and our response is not only confessing to the Lord, but it's a biblical practice too. I think it's in James of like confessing to one another. I, I confess to my wife. Um, and I'm not, here's the deal is like confessing to each other isn't going to bring about your salvation or your deliverance per se because I had done the accountability thing and I was confessing to my brothers um, and it, it got me, got me kind of nowhere, right? It's just like little pats on the back. It'll be okay. Um, what the Bible does say about confession is... Um, Basically, it brings about, um, it says things in the dark can't stay, hidden, or can't stay hidden in the light, right? So when you bring your sin to, uh, when you acknowledge your sin and we're confessing to each other, this is what's happening in the Spirit, is those things aren't hidden anymore. They're not in the dark. We're bringing them up in the light, and um, it's a breeding ground for forgiveness, for deliverance. Um, for restoration, relational, relationally, and all this. So, um, the is it okay to uh, reference uh, Harry Potter in church? Are we all are we all good with that? Uh, the big bad, the big bad, Voldemort, right? He's a. Uh, at the at the beginning of their movies, they're all like afraid to say his name. They call him He Who Must Not Be Named, and all because it's like someone says Voldemort, and everyone's like, <gasps> like there's literally a scene where like everyone's like, oh my gosh. Um, and somewhere like in the middle of the like eight movies or whatever, somewhere on like movie three or four, excuse me, books. Sorry, I know that's a, that's a, uh, that's a thing. Um, so somewhere around there, one of the main, the main like female protagonists, Hermione, is like, says his name. And I was like, oh, Hermione. And she's like, it's okay. Like, I'm not afraid to say his name. And she kind of explains like, 
fear of the name gives them gives it power, gives them more power. And so I wanted to I wanted to show us um, <laughs> uh, about sin and, and confessing sin that like when the reason hidden shame brings about our destruction to our bodies physically and to our spirit and all this stuff like it, it is not for you is because when we when we um, live in shame, it's also living in fear of bringing it to the light. It's fear of man. I don't want to confess my, my sin because I'm afraid of what so-and-so will think of me. And why it's so vital and why the Bible would encourage us and push us towards confession to the Lord but to each other is because when we bring that to the light, you are breaking a, a stronghold. And I, I promise you, you're breaking a stronghold a stronghold just by confession. And I'm not talking about anything else. I'm saying just the act of confessing your sin is you're stripping that sin of its power. And so um, a few practicals here. This is the last point. A few, a few quick practicals. Like how can I pray, right? This whole series, sorry, to turn this, <laughs> point us back to prayer because uh, this isn't necessarily about temptation, but it's about how, how we can respond in prayer is... Uh, a few points speed through them. Pray that you may not enter into temptation. This is Mark uh, 14. Jesus told this to the disciples when he was in the garden. They were all falling asleep. And he's like, stay awake and pray so that you won't be tempted. I don't know what he means by that. Like, why would they be tempted there in the garden? It's like nighttime and whatever. But he said, it's there. Pray so you won't be tempted. Um, you have the mind of Christ. That's uh, 1 Corinthians 2.16. So this is just a, a, a truth that we can hold on to. Like, when I'm feeling tempted... Oftentimes, the reason we, we go back to that old feeling of like, I don't feel righteous, I don't look righteous, and we waver in our faith, is because our minds haven't caught up with our spirit that's been perfected. Our minds will tell us thoughts, we have thoughts and feelings that tell us, you're not righteous, you're not whatever. But we have to uh, tell ourselves the truth that I have the mind of Christ. The next one, similar, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Romans 12. This is a, this is a, uh, a spiritual discipline, transforming, renewing the mind, um, Taking your intake is what this is about. Taking in garbage, and for me, it was pornography, but it was also like my musical choices and my uh, film choices and, and, and relationship choices. You know, like who I was allowing to be a voice in my life um, is, is a huge part of this, guys. And I'm not, um, that's not to your shame, that's not to your condemnation. That's just to say, let's be very intentional with what our intake is, yeah? Because uh, we want. Uh, to be renewed, to, to have the mind of Christ, and it's really hard to do that when we're hearing uh, other things, you know. Uh, uh, the last couple points here. Take every thought captive and submit every thought to the Lord. It's, it's the same deal here. Um, the last point that was so great for us, um, Kenzie and I, uh, make Scripture your prayer language, and I put Jesus in the desert, because that's every temptation he came across, he encountered from the devil, like, turn this stone to bread. Every response Jesus had was the scripture he had at the time. Um, and that's just, there's nothing more, there's not a, a stronger route to, to uh, combat temptation. There's not a stronger route than the word of God. And so um, a few examples of this, um, actually, if uh, Timothy and, and you guys want to come up, um, a few examples of this could be like, uh, the ones I've already listed, that I have the mind of Christ. That's a great one. Um, uh, Romans 6, sin has no, no dominion over me. Like, that's just a simple prayer I can pray because it's the truth. It's right there in the Word of God. And that's like, you don't have to elaborate. You don't, whatever. You can just sit there and tell yourself, remind your soul, remind your mind, uh, sin has no dominion over me. And uh, anyway, there's some others, but you get the point. Um, here's what I want to do. We're, we're wrapping up here, but... Um, talking about confession and deliverance and this sort of thing, I would, um, I would encourage you all. I'm going to, is the prayer team here? Yeah. Cool. Um, if uh, the prayer team's going to come up, and I, usually I think, you know, it's like an invitation, and this still stands today, but it's an invitation to come and receive prayer. I would encourage us today in light of confession and the freedom and deliverance it brings, I would encourage us today to, if you feel compelled um, to, to come forward, but I would encourage you to pray. Um, and, and the prayer team is here, but let, let, uh, let, let that just be like confession to, to someone. But, and I'm not saying here too, I just want to be careful to, to emphasize this, that there's no shame. You're coming for, if, if you're c coming forward 
confession of sin or confession that you're struggling is not a, is not a weakness. It is your strength. That's the first step to deliverance, to restoration. And so I just want to um, say that for everyone in the room this morning. Um, let's celebrate confession. Let's celebrate uh, people taking that step towards um, freedom. Uh, and and uh, that's kind of all I have to say about that. But let's just use this time to allow the Lord to minister to, to us. Thanks again for joining us. If you have been encouraged or challenged by this message, please give us feedback by leaving a comment on this podcast. For more information on our church, visit us at www.citylights.cc.